0: Come on, if you're glad to be here this morning, somebody put your hands together for Jesus. Come on, church. Hey, what a great day it is to be here and what an honor it is to have all of you with us. Uh, Before we jump into the series and the message for today, we always want to look in the cameras in the back of this room and say a great big hello our extended family in the greater washington dc area it's our go church family as many of you know we are one church in two locations so we have our our campus right here in the south metro atlanta area and then we have another campus 25 miles outside of washington dc in germantown go church we love you thanks for being with us today come on welcome them let them know you love them yeah fantastic and then You know, of course, our online audience is growing each and every week, and we're so glad that you're tuning in with us via online. Love technology and the fact that we are intentional and strategic about leveraging the power of technology and social media. So thanks for jumping in online with us today, all of our online viewers. And then, of course, we love to honor and show respect to our military men and women that are serving. And also, I want to take a moment and recognize all of our first responders due to the day-in and day-out responsibility that all of those individuals uh, are providing for us, Safety, care, and protection, especially during this Hurricane Florence. We honor you. We recognize you. Now, can we put our hands together and love on them? All right, we're we're in the second week of a series that we're doing here on the Holy Spirit. Did anybody enjoy week number one? Come on, we're going somewhere. This is kind of the introduction. We're going to jump into week number two today on the topic of the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. But before we do that, I want you to uh, mark your calendars for an incredible event that we're doing called Sunday Fun Day. On the count of three, I want you to say those two words, Sunday Fun Day, with me. Come on, both campuses. You ready? One, two, three, Sunday Fun Fun Day. Now, Sunday Fun Day is happening the last Sunday in the month of September at both of our locations, and it is going to be a day that you and your friends and your family will never forget. This is the absolute perfect day to invite your coworker, your neighbor, that relative that you've been trying to get into church this day is strategic in its approach to reach those individuals that you've been really wanting them to visit your church. And so it's the best day to do that. Now, on this particular Sunday Funday, uh, we've got a theme. And we're, we're theming the whole day around the movie The Greatest Showman. Anybody seen that movie? If not, you need to watch it before Sunday Funday because the movie is fantastic. We're going to do a one-day at-the-movies themed message. And I'm really excited to share that with you. So mark your calendars for September the 30th. 9 and 11 a.m. here at South Metro and then 10 a.m. at Go Church. On your way out today at both of our campuses, you're going to be given a stack of Sunday Funday invite cards. They look just like circus tickets, okay? You can take as many stacks as you want, but those are for the purpose of passing them out. So when you go to work, take a Sunday Funday invite. When you go to Chick-fil-A, pay for the person behind you. Give them a Sunday Funday invite. Uh, When you take out money from the ATM, just leave a Sunday Funday invite right there, and if you really want somebody to take it, attach a $20 bill to it. Come on, somebody. Wherever you go, when you rent a uh, a red box, leave a Sunday Funday invite card on the red box. Uh, when you're at the gym, leave a Sunday Funday invite card on the treadmill. Some of you just felt conviction because you ain't been to the gym in a while. Wherever you go, whoever you talk with, uh, tell them a lot about Sunday Funday. We've got we've got. All kinds of surprises at both campuses that are happening for all of our, our ages. And that's one of the things I love so much about our church is the multi-generational ministry that God has given us. It is going to be a fantastic day. And as you heard in the video announcement a moment ago, it might even look like a circus around here. Some of you are thinking, well, it looks like that every Sunday. Um, well, that, that's because whoever said that, you're here, all right? So I don't want you to miss it. It's going to be a fantastic day, and I can't wait to see what God does on Sunday Day. All right. All right, anybody excited about that? Come on, it's gonna be a great day, so don't miss it. Let, let's jump into the, uh, the second week of this series on on the Holy Spirit. If you missed week number one, don't worry about that. You can jump back online, you can watch the replay, you can download the podcast. Uh, This is a great way to catch up with us and this is one of the many reasons that I love to preach in series and not just in sermons because we can have an extended conversation together and so no matter where you jump into that series, we can all kind of get caught up on the same page and so last week we did kick off week number one. Of this series, and let me just recap for a moment. I don't want to be guilty of taking up the time given this morning to re-preach last week, because again, you can go back and listen. But but basically, the purpose behind having this conversation or having a series of conversations based around the Holy Spirit is because so many people don't even know that there is a Holy Spirit. So many people don't even know that, that there is a person or that there is a power that we can possess by tapping into the Holy Spirit. Uh, let me show you in Acts chapter 19, I showed you this last week, but uh, before we jump into Acts 19, let, let me show you this. There, there are, in the New Testament, four different accounts of one story, and these four different accounts, or these four different books, we call them the Gospels, and the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Give me a good amen right there. Each book in those four accounts, those four stories, tell us more about the life and ministry and the person of Jesus. So in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see about his life, we see about his birth, we see about his death, we see about his resurrection. Then then the fifth book in the New Testament is the book of Acts. On the count of three, say Acts. One, two, three. And it's called Acts because there is an, an action. It's not called react called Acts and so we're we're moving forward with the gospel of Jesus and and what's so interesting about the book of Acts is that it is the, the whole book a historical record of the early church all of Acts is about the first church and how they were acting on this revelation of the person and watch and the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit everybody with me if you're with me say I got you Now what's interesting to me is that the entire book of Acts starts with the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Gospels tell us all about Jesus, and then Acts starts with us being introduced to the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. We are in Acts chapter 19. That that means that we are years into this conversation, we are decades into the writing of this historical record book called the book of Acts and all of these years later, all of these decades later, there's still confusion about the Holy Spirit and now we are thousands of years removed from the resurrection of Jesus and Jesus ascends into heaven and he sits at the right hand of his father and even today, just like in the Bible days, there's confusion about the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me show it to you. The Bible says this. While Apollos was at Corinth, so Apollos was just a Christian preacher, he made his way to the city of, of Corinth. We, we have a book uh, called the Book of Corinthians. While he was there, Paul decided to go to Ephesus, another city. So Paul took the interior road, because you know sometimes the interstate can get bogged down. Come on now. So Paul takes the interior road, he arrives at Ephesus, and there he found some disciples, he found some Christians. He found some people that accepted Jesus Christ, as their Lord and Savior, and he asked them this question. And again, you saw this last week, but I want us to get here on the same page together. He said, hey, did you all, I know you're saved, I know you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, but did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And I want you to see their answer, because their answer is absolutely alarming to the culture of that day and to the culture of our Christianity climate today. They said, no, we, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And I, I really believe that that's still the case today. There, there are so many Christians, they, they know God, they, they love God, they're going to heaven But they have never experienced the person or the power of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of that has to do with, hey, we didn't even know that there is something called the Holy Spirit. And let me just remind you, I never want that to be the fault of this church, of this pastor, of this spiritual tour guide to withhold information from you that you so desperately need in order to navigate through this journey of life. Give me a good amen right there. But not only is it about the fact that many don't know there is a Holy Spirit, but the other reason that so many people reject the person and the power of the Holy Spirit is because the Holy Spirit has been packaged in such a weird and strange way in some church cultures. The Holy Spirit is presented in a way that turns people off from the Holy Spirit more than it turns people onto the person of the Holy Spirit. And so for some of you, what happens is, is that, that you, you have a belief system. When you read the Bible, when you pick up Scripture, and you begin to study and, and learn and meditate on the Word of God, so often what happens, though, is that your theology, your, your, your belief system, is based not on what the Bible says, but more on what you've heard or by what you've not heard. So you grew up in a culture, you grew up in church, or you grew up outside of church. And for some of you, you've heard people talk about the person of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, and it was presented in such a weird way that your whole Christian life, you've been like, no, I don't want anything to do with that. When I was in high school, um, I had the privilege of playing quarterback for my varsity football team. Come on, somebody. That, that's when I had a whole six-pack. Come on now. And I'm not talking about alcoholic beverage. I mean, I was like swole right here. Channing Tatum, baby. Come on. Muscles for days. Kimberly Sam, take me back to them good old days, you know. I played, I played quarterback, and uh, going into, into the season in spring training, uh, I, I, I tore my ACL. As a matter of fact, to give more detail, it was the first game of the year. First game of the year, and I I got hit on on my right leg. It was a a compound fracture to my femur bone, broke my femur bone. I tore my ACL. I tore my MCL. I tore every ligament in my right leg. It was devastating. It was career-ending. I I was in a cast from the tips of my toes all the way to my hip bone for, for months and months and months. And then, of course, I graduated to a wheelchair, from a wheelchair to a walker, from a walker to a cane, they told me I'd never be able to play football again. They said I'd never be able to run again and that all of my hopes and dreams of making it to the big leagues, which I really didn't have a chance to do that, but there were aspirations that, that you could forget about it. Uh, to kind of prove to you how God works, uh, I think that it ended up better with the calling on my life to do this than anything else. But, but while, I, while I was in this cast, there was a revival that was happening in Pensacola, Florida. It was the Brownsville Revival. Anybody ever remember the days of the Brownsville Revival? Well, you got to know something, is that we grew up in the Baptist Church. Uh, I mean, true revival in the Baptist Church was those potluck dinners after church on Sunday now. Come on. But my, my aunt was living in Pensacola. My mom was born in Pensacola, Florida. My aunt was living there, have cousins there. And so my mom decided to take a road trip to visit my Aunt Barbara. And so she talked me into going and my, my other, my other uh, sister-in-law, my sister-in-law Dixie, to making this road trip from Tampa, Florida to Pensacola, Florida. We were going to visit my family, and then we were going to go to the Brownsville Revival. Well, I'm sitting in the back of this car for 9, 10, 11 hours in a full leg cast trying to get to this Brownsville Revival. Well, unfortunately, the Brownsville Revival was so packed we couldn't get in the door. So my mom just found another church. Down the road, because we were going to church, somebody, that night. Well, when we walked in that church, I mean, that place was wild. I'm telling you, it was wild. This is my first experience ever in a Pentecostal church. I was 17, maybe 18 years of age. Well, my mom always loves to sit up front. Let me just tell you this about my first experience in the Pentecostal church. I was not about to sit up front. Come on, somebody. I sat with my sister-in-law in the furthest seat in the back of that auditorium as possible, and I watched in amazement as these people just acted crazy. Well, my sister-in-law said to me, if they come get us, I'm going to have to outrun you. Now, remember, I'm in, a, I'm in a cast. And I told her, I said, I will take my crutch and trip you. In Jesus' name. Well, sure enough, man, we about got out of that church and two little old spirit-filled Pentecostal ladies with a beehive bun so high it touched heaven came to the back of that auditorium, took the crutches from me and said, walk. They made me walk to the front of that altar, the front of that church. One was on the left side. One was on the, front, on the right side. And all I remember was one of them saying, hold on. And then the other one say, let go. Hold on. Let go. My, I didn't know if I was on a seesaw or a roll. I'm holding on. I'm letting go. You know, I turned around. You know where my sister-in-law was? She was gone. Gone. I grew up Baptist, I had never been in a Pentecostal church before, and now they're telling me, hold on, let go, hold on. I said, God is not the author of confusion. One of y'all got to make up your mind. Either we're holding on, or we're going to let go. If I stay on this ride any longer, I'm going to throw up. When we got in the car, I told my mom, I said, I will never go to church with you again. What have you done? And I determined in my heart that Pentecostals were crazy. That they were wild, that that, that they were confused. They didn't know, do you hold on, do you let go? And I made up my mind then, I'll never be in another church service like that. Now, let me tell you this I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe that God can heal you. I, I have seen with my own eyes. People take crutches from individuals and God healed them miraculously in that moment and they rise up and walk. I remember in North Carolina when I was ministering, there was a six-year-old boy that came to the altar of the service that I was preaching. I laid my hands on the back of his neck and there were lumps of cancer near his occipital. And I began to pray in the spirit and I felt every lump disappear in that moment. I've been in services, you know, where God has moved that way, but what's happened is, is that the enemy and church folk have packaged the Holy Spirit in such a way that it's turning individuals off. It's turning individuals off. And that, that is not the true purpose of the Holy Spirit. There's not supposed to be all of this confusion, there's not supposed to be all of the misconceptions. There's not supposed to be a, so much of the assumptions that are floating around. Let me tell you, and I know this is a recap, but watch. There is nothing weird about the Holy Spirit. There's nothing strange about the Holy Ghost. People are weird. People are strange, but not the person of the Holy Spirit. And that, that is my prayer for this series is that God will just give us some clarity and we can all have a better understanding of the person of the Holy Spirit because that's my job. My job is to lead you and to feed you. And if I can do that through teaching you about the power of the Holy Spirit, your life will be forever changed because the more you learn about who He is, you won't run from Him. You'll run to Him. So let's talk a little bit this morning about His nature. The nature or the character of the Holy Spirit. Now I want to make sure that you truly know who the Holy Spirit is. So the first thing that I've got to submit to you this morning, and at both campus, take some notes and write this down. The first thing is this, the Holy Spirit is not an it. You should have gave me a better amen right there. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is the third person of God in the Trinity, now, at some point, we'll do a whole series on the Trinity because the Trinity in itself can be somewhat confusing for many people. As a matter of fact, St. Augustine said it like this, he said, not knowing about the Trinity you can lose your salvation, but trying to know about the Trinity you can lose your mind. Because the Trinity is so perplexed and who the plurality of the deity is, but This is a church where we believe in a Trinitarian theology. We believe, and this is what that means, is that we believe that God is the Father, God is the Son, and God is the Holy Spirit. We do not believe in three different gods. We believe that God is three in one. Come on, church, help me out. Now, the first thing you need to know is that the Holy Spirit is is not an it. So, it is not moving. It is not leading you to do something. It is not providing conviction in your heart. The the Holy Spirit is the third person of God in the Trinity. Does that make sense? Now, if you go studying your Bible to learn more about the nature and the character of the Holy Spirit, first of all, you'll see that the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost is mentioned over 800 times in your Bible. Now, what's interesting, and I'll show this to you, is that translators had a really hard time determining a a proper word to describe the uniqueness of this person and and the power of the Holy Spirit. So That's why sometimes you'll see the translation between Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. So first off, you need to know it's, it's in your scripture over 800 times. Secondly, you need to know this. That you'll have to come at your scripture from two languages. Because the Bible was originally written in two different languages. And the Old Testament, the original manuscript of the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. In Hebrew. So, the Hebrew word for the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost is this word, Ruach. 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 Now, when you say that word, both campuses, you have to say it like you've got some steak stuck in the back of your Ha, <laughs> Like that. Ruach. On the count of three, say that with me. One, two, three. Ruach. You're getting there. You're getting there. Ruach. Now, watch what the word ruach means. The Hebrew word ru- ruach, it means a wind, a breath. Now, now now, you know why it was so hard for translators to determine a word that would best describe the person in the power. Because we can't say God the Father, God the Son, God the breath. It's a holy, holy spirit. As a matter of fact, this word ruach is used in the second verse of your Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 2. The earth was formless, and the earth was empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the ruach of God. Come on, church. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And watch what happens. You want to know about the power of Ruach? Following the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. Then there came light. Then there came all of creation. Now, the Old Testament Hebrew word is Ruach. The New Testament word is Numa. One, two, three, Numa. Numa means a current of air. It means a blast of breath. A strong breeze. So again, translators couldn't say God the Father, God the Son, God the strong breeze. So, so they, they confined the definition into the Spirit of God or into the Holy Ghost. And here's just one of many, many places in the Word of God used throughout the New Testament. And this is actually Jesus talking. You'll see this in John chapter number 6, one verse. Here's what the Bible says. It says, It is the Spirit... Watch this. It is the, now, now let's fill in the blank. It is the breath. Wow. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And then watch what he says. The words that I have spoken, this is Jesus. The words that I have spoken to you. That means that, that in your Bible, the words written within the, 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 the leather-bound covering of your Bible, these are not normal words. Come on. These are not normal words. He says, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit. He says, and they are what gives you life. So here's what I want to do. I want to give us a better understanding of the Holy Spirit, of the ruach, of the pneuma, of of this blast of air, of this wind. So in order to do that, we have to look at the, the characteristics of wind in the natural Let's look at wind in the natural and see how they parallel to the moving of the Holy Spirit. And then maybe we can all get a better uh, understanding and become a little bit more comfortable at relating to the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's really what I hope to accomplish through this series. Again, that we get more and more comfortable with the person of the Holy Spirit. Not just a comfort level with God our Father, and not just a comfort level with, 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 with God the Son and the relationship that we have through Jesus. But that we become comfortable with the person of the Holy Spirit. And some, it, He becomes someone that you're not afraid of. That you don't go back to being 17, 18 years old and somebody saying, hold on, let go, hold on, let go. But that you understand more about this person because you desperately need Him in your life. So, take some notes. Everybody ready? Let me give you four characteristics of wind in the natural. Wind in the natural. And then let's parallel that to the definitions we saw in the Old Testament and the New Testament about the spirit of God, the breath of God, the the strong breeze of God. The first thing about wind in the natural is this. Wind is unseen. Wind is unseen. Now, at both of our campuses, although we are 702 miles apart, Throughout this weekend, we felt a little bit more wind than usual. And we're feeling feeling that wind because of the the impact of Hurricane Florence. Now, because that hurricane is not sitting right on top of either one of us in Germantown or in Sharpsburg, it has created a gentle breeze. Yesterday, uh, we watched some football, and because it was my birthday, Kimberly bought me a cornhole set. Come on, that's a good woman right there. So I was out in the back, and I was dominating my 8-year-old son, Lakeland, in some cornhole. Come on. Kimberly, Kimberly always says, you should let him win. Letting him win does not build character. Come on, every dad in the room, help me out. Losing is what builds character. So I'm out there, man, I'm stroking that cornhole like that. And all of a sudden, there came a gentle breeze. And my immediate response was, that feels good. That feels good. When you leave here today at both campuses and you walk outside, there's probably going to be a gentle breeze. And at some point, you're going to say, man, that, that feels good. And you know what? When you say that, nobody's going to be freaked out. Nobody's going to be freaked out that you felt a breeze and you say, that feels good. Unless you say that in the context of a church service. Then people get weird. Because God is moving. You can't see him moving, but you'll say, wow, that feels good. And they'll say, feels good? I don't feel nothing. What what are you feeling? Why do people get so weirded out whenever we say, wow, that feels good in connection to the Holy Spirit? And I, I know what some of you are thinking. Well, you told us before that you can't run on your feelings. Well, you're right. But sometimes it sure feels good to know what you're running on. Look, in Christianity, you cannot base your Christianity off feelings alone. But but feelings are not bad. The presence of God is to be felt. The presence of God is to be experienced. And that's my prayer for our church at both campuses. Not that you would be impressed with our building here at South Metro Atlanta. Not, not so that you would be impressed with the outstanding, incredible worship at Go Church. Not so that you would come here and be impressed with every single week the dynamic preaching that you hear. The best preaching you've ever heard. You ought to bump your neighbor and tell them that's a good place to clap. That, that, that's not what this is about. No, I want there to be a moment within our gatherings where you sit back and you say, wow. That feels good. Wow, that, that feels good. And you can experience God and allow him to change your life. Watch this. Let's go to John chapter number 14. John 14. I don't want to just give you some content today. I want to give you some context as well. So in John chapter 14, as a matter of fact, in John three chapters, John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples. This is known as the, the Last Supper. It's the, it's the final meal that Jesus will share with his disciples before he would be arrested and then ultimately crucified. And what's so amazing about John chapter 14 specifically and this whole conversation that's happening. This is, imagine, what would your meal be like if you knew this is the last meal I'll have with my family and friends? Jesus is telling them, hey, I'm leaving. This is the last conversation that we're going to have before the crucifixion. But so much, the vast majority of this conversation is based on the person of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 16. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, meaning comforter or counselor, to help you and to be with you for how long? Watch this. The spirit of truth. Now, don't miss this. Don't miss this. He says, the world cannot accept him. Here's what that means. The world is going to mock you. The world is going to make fun of you. The world is going to laugh at you when you say, hey, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it neither. Because it's unseen. So so I I can't see him, and watch, so many people say, well, if I can't see it, then I don't believe it. Watch this, he neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be, here's a key word, in you. Listen to me, you need to know this, all right, and we'll keep going. Our, Our church is growing, both campuses our church is growing, and some of what is allowing us to grow, you can see that. You can see it. It's tangible. You can touch it. But the primary growth that's happening within our church is unseen. It's the freedom and the moving of the Holy Spirit. You are coming week in and week out, not because of a building, not because of worship, not because of my preaching, but because of the Holy Spirit. You are, You are. although you cannot see it with your natural eyes, every time you walk in and when you leave, you say, wow, that feels good. That feels good. Come on, put your hands together right there. That feels good. And I, I you can't run on your feelings. But it's good to feel what you're running on. And his his power and his presence is to be felt and experienced, even if you can't see the ruach moving, the pneuma moving, the wind moving. Watch this. A second. Everybody are we good? Okay, watch this. The second characteristic of wind in the natural is this: wind is unpredictable. Wind is unpredictable. See, wind is always shifting. Wind wind is always moving. Wind Wind will shift on you in a second. If you've seen some of the footage of Hurricane Florence, and we're still praying for those families affected by this devastating hurricane, over 18 trillion gallons of water this hurricane has produced. And if you've seen any of the footage, you'll see some of the news anchors which, by the way, they, they are some brave individuals. But, but they'll stand right next to the shoreline, right next to the beach line. You're thinking, bro, take coverage. But the wind will move on them. And they'll have to widen the base of their stance because the wind is unpredictable. And then it'll blow them in one direction and then it'll blow them in the other direction. And then sometimes you get some fake news. We're like, whoa, the wind is blowing. And then two, Did you see that? And then two guys are just strolling behind them. like this and they're walking and the anyway the, and who's seen that video and the news anchor's like my god my god and they're like because wind wind is unpredictable and let me tell you it can blow right here and not right here because wind is unpredictable now here's why here's why this becomes a problem the unpredictable nature of the Holy Spirit is problematic for many Christians. We, we, we don't like things to not be in order. God, God forbid us if we get outside of our order. Come on. God, I need you. And Oh, Jesus, help me, Father. And what we tend to do is we put God... The Father, God, the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We put Him in our box. We put Him in our box to operate in the way that we think He should operate. Now watch this. God is a God of order. He is. But God does not do things the same way every time. I'm telling you, God will not always move in the same way that he moved before. Why? Because then, listen to me, lean in both campuses, because then you would worship a system and not the Savior. It's a better place to give me an amen right there. That's a good place. Because if God moves the same way every single time, then you will give honor and glory and praise to the system and not give honor, praise, and glory to the Savior. So God says, God says, "Oh, you think I'm going to move like that? You think I, you think I'm going to move how I did before so that you can worship the system? Now, there are, there are things of God that we can stand on as absolute. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. but, but He's unpredictable in the way that he operates, and we have to embrace the very unpredictable nature of God. Look at John. Enough of my words. Let me show you the Bible. John chapter 3, verse number 8. Jesus said the, anybody want to guess what that word is? The numa. The pneuma blows wherever it pleases. You, you hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from. You can't tell where it's come from, and you can't tell where it's going, Cotton Eye Joe. Anybody get that joke, by the way? So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit has a very unpredictable nature. As a matter of fact, one time, God spoke to Moses from a burning bush. One time. That's it. So it would be unfair for Moses to say, hey, you have not heard God speak to you unless the bush is on fire. So, so he does it only once. Another time, a, a guy comes to Jesus with a with blind guy. And the guy walks up to Jesus with his blind friend, and he, and he says this. He says, hey, Jesus, I want you to lay hands on him. Because that's how he had seen it done before. So Jesus says, oh, 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 oh you think the trick is in the hands. You, you, you think the power is in the hand. So instead, the guy said, hey, just lay hands on him. So instead, Jesus picks up some dirt, hocks a loogie full of spit in the dirt, rubs the mud spit pie together, and then smears it on the eyes of his friend. Can you imagine what the friend is thinking? Oh, my God. Hey, that, that's, hey, yeah, this is weird. That's That's why, and can you imagine the blind guy? What is going on? It's like a warm, mushy something. I'm sure he's like, did he just spit? That's why whenever you invite your friend to a spirit-filled church, you know, and they haven't been in church in a while, or it's the first time ever, you always pray, God, don't let it get crazy. (laughs) God, I need, how many of you have said this? Do not raise your hand. Do not say amen. Do not respond out loud at both campuses. But how many of you have been like, God, behave today. I need you to behave. And God says this. He says, watch. He says, I I will move not how you want me to, but I'll move how you need me to. And watch this. In our country. Can I preach for just a moment? In our country, in our churches, we need revival. Come on, we need revival. And I'm all about... I'm all about systems. I'm all about structure. But systems and structure is not the formula that produces revival. What produces revival is the unpredictable nature of the moving of the Holy Spirit. And us saying, God, send down the rain. Come on, church, and say amen right there. Wow. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. This, is, this is not about a system. Amen. This is about a Savior. And wind is unseen and wind is predictable. we got to hurry. But wind is also powerful. Wouldn't you agree? Wind is powerful. And wind can either be productive or destructive. See, wind can produce or generate electricity for an entire city. Wind can can sell a ship across the oceans. (laughs) On Friday night... To celebrate my birthday, my family took me to the Braves game. Come on, baby, chop on, anybody. Now, Go Church won't like this too much because we were playing the Nationals. We put it on (laughs) you. But but at one point in the game, uh, my son Lakeland and I, we had to run to the bathroom. And so we went to the bathroom, we washed our hands, and there on the wall was these Dyson hand blowers. My God, the power from those machines. Anybody know what I'm, the wind that comes from those, it was ripping the skin off of my hands. Because wind can be powerful. It can be productive. It can be destructive. See, see, wind can also destroy. We've all seen the effects of wind. We're watching it now again with this hurricane that has devastated so much of the East Coast and what that wind has done to homes and to families. But let me, let me just be honest with you for a minute so so many of you in this room a lot of you at go church many of you watching and listening online you are going through some issues that human power cannot fix that that human power cannot fix and god help us if we relegate ourselves to what we can fix Let me tell you, do not distance yourself from the power of God, from the power of the Holy Spirit, because some churches and because some Christians have packaged the power of the Holy Spirit in such a way that it has turned you off. I beg you, get close to the person of the Holy Spirit, and you will experience His Power. I showed you this verse last week, but let me show it to you again. Acts chapter one, verse eight. But you will receive. Somebody shout power. power. Come on, say it like you mean it. On three. One, two, three. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So you know what I say? Bring it on on, me, come, come in me, because I am facing some issues in my life that my human power cannot fix, and I believe that the same is true for many of you. We all need the power of God to help us walk through whatever season of life that we're walking through. See, see, when it's powerful, and the Holy Spirit's power is very real. Let me let me say this to you. I'll show it to you on the screen. I want you to write this thought down. Do not relegate ourselves to what we can only fix. Don't put God in that box. Because when we go through stuff, anybody going through stuff? Come on, both campuses. When we, when we go through stuff, listen to me. Whenever we shy away from the power of the Holy Spirit, we try to fix it on our own. And so what we do is so many of us, we we try to rely on things. On stuff. Whether it's materialistic items, whether it's alcohol, whether it's a drug, whether it's whatever. We try try to to feel that that pain and that hurt and that void with, with stuff, with things. But write this down. And you need to know this. You will never find comfort in things. Never. True comfort comes from a person. And that person is the Holy Spirit. Listen to me, tapping into the person and the power of the Holy Spirit is absolutely critical. Critical in your marriage, in your job, with your children, in your family, with your health, in and, and, and your emotions, and your finances. Ultimately, in our Christianity, we have to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what I believe. I believe that many of you, you're on this journey and what you need is just some fresh wind in yourselves to, to lift you to propel you and empower you for all the things that God has in store for you. Here's the last thing. You ready? Watch this. Wind is refreshing. Wind is refreshing. Last week, uh, my son Lakeland, he had a, a flag football practice. Dad's the coach. So we're out running around, man. I mean, it is hot. Everybody's sweating. The kids are thirsty. I didn't give them a water break. Come on, what you talking about water? Finally, the practice ended, and Lakeland and I, we, we walked to my car, opened the doors. We got in that car. It must have been 120 degrees inside that, that hot, parked automobile. I mean, sweat dripping down Lakeland's forehead, sweat coming down from my brow and Lakeland said can you please turn the air condition on so I, I turned the air on full blast baby I mean all the way and that cold air met that hot air and both of us were like wow, that's refreshing well the cold air wasn't enough just to beat out all the hot air in that car so Lakeland had a great idea he said hey can we ride with the windows down. I rolled down all four windows, and Mr. GQ in the back had his hand out the window like this, passing cars. But you could feel the refreshing air suffocate the existing hot air within that car. And it provided for us a refreshing feeling. And let me tell you, the Holy Spirit wants to refresh you. He wants you to have that same experience, but, but not in the natural, but in the supernatural. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says it like this. Watch this. I want you to see it. He says, if, if your eye could actually see it, your eye wouldn't be able to, to figure it out. He said, if, if your ear could actually hear it, your ear couldn't understand what was being said. If your mind could actually conceive what God was doing, you you don't have the brain capacity to figure out all that God is doing. Watch verse 10, but God has revealed it. God has revealed it to all of us. By what? By his spirit. This is why I'm doing this series. Because you need a refreshing. And he's got so much to reveal. But your eye has not seen and your ear has not heard. And your mind cannot know until you receive this Holy Spirit. Let's do this. Uh, I'm out of time. Let's do this really quick. Close your eyes. Come on. All around this room, go church family. Come on, close your eyes just for a second. Jesus. Now, just breathe. Come on, just breathe. Just breathe. Uh, I'll use the remainder of my time for this exercise, if you'll give me the opportunity. Come on, just breathe, like take a deep breath. You're being suffocated by the problems in your marriage, suffocated by the pain in your body, devastated by the issues at your job, consumed by the lack of finances. Come on, you walked in this room, overwhelmed. Just breathe. Just breathe. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Let me show you this verse and we have to close. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. I'm going to give you the message translation. I don't always use the message, but I love how it's written in this particular scripture reference. Don't grieve, God. Don't, don't break his heart. Watch this. His, his Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you. That, that and I, I need to say it like this. I'm not trying to take this scripture out of context, but watch. That can be, it can be, if you decide to allow the Holy Spirit in, the most intimate part of your life making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Don't take this gift for granted. Come on, go church. I, I've got more in my notes, but I'm going to stop here. I'm going to turn this final part of the gathering over here Campus Pastor David Waldrop. He's got it from here. Now, all in this room, if you're physically able, will you stand with me? Come on. And let's just experience. Come on. Let's experience the Holy Spirit. His unseen nature, his unpredictable character. Come on. His powerful nature. In this room. If you need a refreshing in your life, if you need a refreshing in your soul, if you need a refreshing in your health, whatever the area, can you just lift your hands? Come on, all around this room. Let's just take a moment, a couple of minutes, and we'll be dismissed. Come on, can, can we worship just for a second? Come on, Holy Spirit, move. Come on, Holy Spirit, move. Come on. Come on church feel me up god feel me yeah up.
1: Come on, can we do it again? Come on. Fill me up.
0: i love this part you provide the spirit here we go this is key right here come on that again come on you provide come on here we go come on sing it one more time you provide the fire you
1: provide the fire yeah and I'll provide the sacrifice
0: the spirit you provide the spirit come on this is our part right here That be your prayer. Come on.
1: Feel me up, God. Come on. Feel me
0: up, God. Fill me up, God. Fill me, Fill me One more time. Come on. Give the Holy Spirit. Come on, give them praise. Dad. I'm going to ask my pastor to come and pray for us this morning. Now, here's the part in most Pentecostal charismatic churches, people are like, well, aren't you supposed to call me to the altar? It's not a system. It's not a my personality says open up the altars come on turn to your neighbor lay hands on your neighbor come on tell them say get ready get ready get i'm not i'm not doing it here's my prayer this is what i'm fasting and believing for that in the middle of the night you wake up you wake up and when you wake up you meet the person and the power of the holy spirit to equip you to do supernatural things That's my prayer. Come on. Everybody take your hands, palms up towards heaven as if you were receiving a gift being placed into your hands. Pastor Allen, I want you to pray for us and then dismiss. Come on, church. Receive this prayer.
2: Breathe on us. Hallelujah. Breath of God. Breathe on us. And When you breathe on us, we'll live and not die. When you breathe on us, God, it'll be as... Pastor JC has just told us, it'll be a fresh breath of air. It'll be, Lord, transformational. It'll be like the day of Pentecost when you breathe on us. And you won't just breathe on us at church. We need it when we go to work tomorrow. We need it when we lay our head on the pillar tonight. We need the breath of God when the breath of the enemy would like to put us to sleep. We need you to breathe on our marriages. Breathe on our children. Breathe on us when we are on the job god thank you that you are not against us and that you are for us and while you are going to heaven preparing us a home we oh god can make it between here and there because of the holy ghost so father shine your light in us heal us when you breathe on us let us come back the next time richer more anointed, more ready, more desirous of what you have for us than we had today. We leave here better than we came because of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say amen. Amen and amen.
0: God bless you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week for week number three of Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.